0: Shaking cats and kittens. I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in Art. and this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin and I'm enjoying this hand poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Send ham the neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is my, my friend and artist, CBT, Christine Buckton-Tillman. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, thanks, Rob. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, part three. Uh, <laughs> um, so... Chroma colors. We were talking colors a little bit. Um, don't trust. Don't trust the pink vest. Is what I'll say in real life. Uh, we were talking about uh, vaccine vests, but let's talk about your work. Describe your work and your background to define folks out there who may be uninitiated.
1: Okay, so um, so I am a visual artist who works in lots of different materials. Um, I am. All of my art revolves around. Um, how I see the world and what I think is interesting in the world and what I take from it. And I work for, for people who sort of need to visualize that, um, I work in sculpture and in painting and also in collage.
0: Yes. And, uh, and sculpture
1: I'm going to say like also includes installation. We'll say that.
0: And also um, a bit of a fashion plate, I'm noticing. Like, you know, it's always an interesting sweater or or top piece that's going on there. Very vibrant, popping colors.
1: If you wear neutral colors and then wear one thing that isn't, then everybody thinks that you're very colorful as a dresser. This is legit. Like this was a Halloween costume at one point, but I also wear it. It is a leopard sweater that I bought off of Amazon by searching leopard sweater and yellow. And it was my Halloween costume last year. And now I just wear it like as a legit person.
0: I am currently wearing five different shades of gray. Yep. Morehouse shirt, unaffiliated, never went there.
1: They don't always match the grays, but go on.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, it's, 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 that's, that's what it is. That's my personality, unmatching grays. Uh, so I, I read that some of your early work is inspired by connections to advertising, to advertisements and connections to algorithms, amongst other things. Describe some of your, your favorite pieces of, of advertisements.
1: Well, I think like you say advertisements and to me that really reads as like print or or media based. And I think when I, Mm -hmm. when I say advertising, I'm going to include visual merchandising as a piece of advertising. And that's like a pretty huge influence for me. Um, And so visual merchandising would be how stores and retail spaces organize their spaces to get people to want to buy things, whether it's a window display or, or really, I mean, a whole store is visually merchandised. So whether it's, um, walking into target and seeing how, how things change based on the seasons or sweaters at the gap, um, all folded and organized by color. Um, I'm really, I'm really profoundly interested in objects and object display and, um, and how that relates to retail spaces.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like merchandising is a part of it that often gets ignored when people think of like advertising. Like if, if if something isn't positioned in a certain way, it's like, I don't want to buy that. And the way that things are placed, like, how can I put it? Like, I'm tall, so something that's at my like I I don't care about anything below me. So if you're trying to get me as your audience, (laughs) place things up. But people or your average person is going to be considerably shorter than me. So I think the placement of certain things and how it's aligned, maybe by color. um, I would imagine like if you to go down the what is it like the cereal aisle, and judging by what you work with and that the chroma kind of setup, I want. How's that experience for you? How's the cereal aisle experience for you?
1: (laughs) Okay, but like I like. I'm into the grocery store. Like I, I'm like, I'm like an impulse buyer, right? Like if I, if I see it and I like want it because it's like sparkly or something, like I will, I am, I am a sucker for all of those things. But I think that arrangement is a way that we can make sense out of things. Um, Another big influence for me would be uh, natural history museums. Um, Not, not uncomplicated spaces, but, um, but especially I am really fascinated with gem and mineral displays as well as, dioramas and how how sort of taxidermy is, is displayed yep. and and sort of that I, I like artifice and I like fake nature so like to me a natural history museum space is like taking taking real nature and then like moving it entirely out of nature to this like other display space but all of those things and sort of natural history as a discipline if you if you could call it that is really based on the idea that that people can make can make observations about things and and learn from it right so it's it's a it is a, a discipline based on people's own observations right so when you sure. see you know when you see these two skeletons next to each other um you you learn something about about the nature of that creature just by see by seeing them together and i think that yes. i think that that's also related to the, the same way right like i might see I I might see this one sweater next to another sweater and make, make an association that way. Or if you you say cereal or trying to think of like, like, maybe it's, it's also connected to, Oh, I really like the seafood area of the grocery store. Like I, that's, those are some of my, my favorite, my favorite displays.
0: Yeah. I I think that comparison piece is, is important because you in, you just see it like by itself, it's just like oh this is just a sweater or what have you or whatever the item is but you see in comparison it's like oh suddenly you're like hmm the textures here this fabric is different this this feels different oh this feels more expensive uh or if you see it next to like a, a another piece of fabric like oh this is just a shirt this is not the same this is not as important or you start attaching different values on it based on a comparison i think
1: when, when i was describing my work um i kind of left a big a big piece out in addition to um in addition to the drawings and the collages and, and sculpture and installation based stuff. Um, I've, I've been in a long-term collaborative um, artistic partnership with a woman named Lisa Solomon out of Oakland, California. And she and I, since, since 2015 um, have worked together on a project called Chroma in which we crowdsource objects with color. We, we ask people to, to give us things that have, that have color in them, which everything does as long as it's not transparent. So like fully transparent. I mean, you can have like, Parent blue and it's still blue um but so we yeah. ask people for for things that, are, that have color in them and then we organize them by color and people may have um baltimore people may remember a show that we did in 2015 at gallery ca um and we have done we have worked together on a, that project again in san francisco and then there is a, a permanent version of the installation at the wharf in bc um and we've we've worked on it um together again for some for some private collectors as well. But so what that project does is we gather these things by color, and then we organize them by color in these big, um, expansive wall-based, wall-based groupings. And similar to what we were just talking about in terms of like how things are organized and making connections. I mean, anytime you put, you put two things together, um, people are going to make connections between them. So there, we really enjoy doing that by color. So, you know, um, Certainly, the color transitions. You know how how red might transition into orange. Um, you know, in in a lighter value, from some cool like salmony, salmony yeah. stuff um, happening. But so it's not just like how the those pieces are really fun because it's not just how the color transitions, but it's also seeing objects butting up next to each other. So a pair of scissors next to a broken watch band next to. Um, I'm thinking about orange right now, and in in one in a version of Chroma that we did, we got like a Somebody's prison bracelet, like a prison ID bracelet that had had been Good. orange and had like a like the the photograph on it and some text. So um, it's really it was really interesting to like to end up putting all of those things together and having them seen together through the lens of color.
0: It's I would like to start seeing like Power Ranger action figures from like the '90s just just there just Oh if,
1: if somebody gave it to us, we would totally put that put that in there. There's Pet dispensers. There's there's definitely some Star Wars if, if if somebody's willing to give it up and and give them to us.
0: Okay. I, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll sanitize some items from like a Goodwill or something. I think I have some old toys in the crib and mm-hmm. I will send them to you because back in the day, like the toys that they gave us, it was like, here's a piece of plastic. We didn't put too much work into this. Uh, this is going to be repurposed for something later. It's going to be great. It's going to be better than the actual function as a toy. So it's like, oh, so, here, here's a here's a Ninja turtle sword or something. Here's just something that's just one, one color. Totally. Um,
1: or even if so, it has more than one color, right? A friend of mine, um, a friend of mine is, is traveling the country in an RV with her children. And this year as sort of response to, to what life and, and, and school is like right now. And um, she was given a, like a box of, a box of things for her younger son, like like little plastic things that you might think, think a two to three year old would like. And, um, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily RV friendly to have a box full of those things (laughs) to sort of pare down. So she, um, I hope, I hope the son doesn't listen to the podcast because um, he does not know that she sent me the box. Um, But, but within it, I'm thinking about it because there was these objects that were sort of like transitional objects, right? It was, um, or at least that's what Lisa and I call them. So it like, it had more than one color in it. So it was, um, it was blue. It was like a little truck and it was a blue little truck. And on top of it had this like really actually kind of like the color in your in your background. That's like teal on the top. Yep. And so you could really use that quite well because it would fit sort of the blue to green transitional area because it sort of had sort of had both in them. So if that makes sense.
0: Baltimore, you, you moved you moved here and tell us tell us about that that move here and what your thoughts and impressions were of Baltimore before moving here.
1: I came to Baltimore with with my now husband, right? So he had grown he had grown up here, and before before we moved here in two thousand and two, I had visited maybe two or three times, um, mm-hmm. and I, I found Baltimore to be sort of like a, a really fun and delightful and accessible sized city. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed to me that it had it had all the great things that you want in a city, but was small enough to still be accessible. And and frankly, I I was immediately taken by by by, sort of like some of the, the kitschy charm of Baltimore, 20 uh, something Christine was, was very smitten with, with lawn ornaments and um, is, Baltimore was the first, I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner. So nobody in the Midwest would like Astro for their front yard. And it's the first time I, it's the first time I had seen that. And, um, and and that like I got West Coast friends with so like it's not that unusual, um, but I hadn't even like I had never even seen it in Florida, and um, and I was I was immediately smitten by by the kind of place that would would think that was a a good move.
0: That's that's funny. That's funny. We 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 do have that that truck Well, I mean it's in the name. I mean Trump, Trump right, City. Right. <laughs> so w- in, in comparison to like other places you you've been in other places that you've been in that 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 scene, uh, the art scene. How how would you say Baltimore kind of compares to those?
1: Well, I found I think one of the things that drew us to to choosing Baltimore um, was that, like, I found I find Baltimore's arts need to be really accessible. Um, and at the time that we moved here, um, which is you know dating myself here, if we moved here in two thousand and two, um, it was it was a city that like within the first year of us living here, we were both able to to show work, and we were both making work that was like needed to be shown to exist right i was doing a lot of installation-based stuff and um, my my husband was sort of doing like sort of like very project-based project-based work that was that was not object-oriented and so um both of us needed a a space to show work and um that was something that was able to happen for us pretty quickly after moving here which um and it was, and it's a scene that, like, we were able to to meet people, and it was really friendly and welcoming, and I think I think continues to be as well. So, um, I would, it's a pretty accessible city in that regard, especially for two people who a- didn't who didn't go to school in Baltimore, right? Um, I think yeah. we were deciding we were deciding between between Baltimore and Chicago, and um, that's where that's where I grew up. Um. Um, but I didn't go to school in Chicago. So, you know, it would have taken us a couple of years to make the connections that the the crew that went to school in Chicago already had made. wasn't um, Baltimore was just a much more open and accessible and excited about what people are doing kind of scene.
0: I think that's the thing that uh, that assessment there is something that often gets overlooked because. People will come here and usually it's I went to Micah and then I left or I went to Micah and then I, I stayed or what have you. And I always try to get down to if that's the common thing, just being very general here. I, I want to kind of get down to like, all right, what's the difference with why someone stayed? Did they get that that accessibility? Did they get that sense of community or? Was it something they they just weren't getting here? And it it's always interesting to see what it is because usually I'm hearing that common theme of there's community, it's accessibility. And depending on what you want to do, like some people feel like I need to quickly grow, I need to chase this dragon, and then suddenly they're no longer a artist with ties to Baltimore. It's like, Oh yeah, I was discovered in New York or discovered here. And I think it depends on what the person is looking for because, as you touched on, you can move up pretty quickly here, but Baltimore is, is still Baltimore. Baltimore isn't New York. Baltimore isn't California, but isn't Los Angeles or whatever these other larger markets are because that's just not what it is. But you can get your stuff seen and you can be caught, be part of a sense of community. You can be in a, within a community and you can do very well here, I would imagine. It, in, in terms of advice, like, what's a piece of advice that you wish you'd maybe gotten like 10 years ago, if not a little longer ago that you feel like, I wish I knew that earlier.
1: <laughs> You're asking me this question, like at the end of a work day.
0: <laughs> Sorry. It's right.
1: No, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. I don't know if it's like a, a piece of advice that I wish I had gotten so much as advice that I, I keep returning to and I keep giving myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, sure. And okay, I'm going to go with one that I like I I was given and then another that that like I kind of keep returning to is like in my own mind. And so one would be like, like somebody who had been on my thesis committee in graduate school, like in that like little final meeting where, you know, you kind of tie it all up into a little bow Um, as as things were ending. He had said to me um, like, and this is like thinking you know that, like, yeah. Maybe I might go into academia. I work at I work at a K twelve school, not at, at the college level at this point. But um, was, you know, sort of thinking about about me and my personality and what that what my, that might be like in academia. And he just sort of said, like, you know, you have this like enthusiasm and like joy for life, and schools and educational institutions might might like try to, to like to get rid of that to to make mm-hmm. you seem more serious. And he said, like, that's actually like that's not a good thing. Like be who you are and be, be your authentic, be your authentic self. And, and that's, what's more important. And, and I don't, I don't feel that way at, at my school at all. I feel like I can, I can show up and be, I can show up and be my, my true self. Um, but it is something that I sort of think about in, in a lot of spaces of like, you know, like where, where can you show? Like, I want to be able to be in spaces where I can show up and, and, and be my own authentic self. Um, and so that's sort of like something that had been given to me, but sort of things that I, I tell myself, um, art wise, you know, it's always, you're always sort of like chasing the next thing, like, okay, well, what's my next project? What's my next show? What's the, what's the next thing that I'm going to do? And, um, and you know sometimes a lot's going on and sometimes not as much as going on and and so i think the thing that i always like sort of tell myself is that it's just like it's just important to show up and do the work right like it's important um those things will come afterwards but i am i i'm a pretty disciplined uh i have a pretty disciplined studio practice um for somebody with a (laughs) with a full-time job and a family um and and that's like that's just like an important thing for me to do is to just like to, to show up in the studio and show up in, in the act of making, um, even when it's hard or even when it's like, like, like my, my work desk is also, we, we now live at work, right? We don't work from home. We live at work. Um, So like my, my studio desk is also my, my live at work desk from home. Um, so it's, it's a little, I got, I got my second monitor up here just in case. And, and like, But, but I can still, like, I can still construct stuff on it, right? Like I can still find, I can still find a place and a time to, to show up and make stuff.
0: Yeah. It's important to feel comfortable and be able to be yourself and be engaged in what you're doing. And I, I, I think that's, that's, that's a really good thing to kind of check in with yourself on and, and recognize it. It's just like, why am I doing this again? That, that's the thing. It's like, do I, do I enjoy this? Am I being myself here or am I putting up a front? Because I think when you're you're being yourself, you enjoy it more, I think. And you don't feel like there's some weird like just parameter because eventually the real you is gonna creep out and it's just gonna be like, hey, I got questions about these vests or whatever, you know. <laughs> so I mean, like, I I, I do it because I I'm I work in higher ed um on in, in a in a like a data capacity and I tried just to be quiet because I know the real Rob is going to creep out. And I was like, all right, let me not say something snarky and subversive and it's really hard not to. So, and I find when it comes out and usually it's in response to something that's going there or a certain practice that doesn't make sense. And it's something that I have to work in. I was like, well, I should articulate this in this way. And this makes sense. I, I should be authentic and true to what I'm trying to do here. And I find when I'm not doing that, even in the creative space, like I used to try to put on an act in the front when I'm doing a podcast or what have you. And one of the comments that I've gotten about this particular uh, podcast is, You sound like you're actually a real person. You're actually having a conversation with someone instead of, so back in 2010, when this happened, it's like, that's not what I do. I try to have a real conversation with someone. I'm going to say things that don't make sense. I'm going to get caught caught in my own thoughts, but I try to get a genuine conversation out of someone. And I think that's what hooks people. I think that's what attaches people to what's happening here in these types of conversations. So in, in terms of, visualizing a project and do you, do you see it beforehand do you see pieces of it beforehand finished project and finished product or is it just you know like wabi-sabi it's like as we're going through it you know this is what i'm what i'm seeing as it's, it's materializing as you're working on it how does that work for you
1: so i'll, I'll talk about a couple of things so for example like with the chroma project um we certainly know that there's going to be a lot of objects and together we plan we we might plan how big it is what the edges are going to be like is it going to go all the way to the edge of the space or is it going to kind of like fade out and be a little bit more irregular um and we might plan um you know does the color transition go top to bottom or left to right or right to left um where do we put where do we put the um the value shift right from dark to light and so we'll plan we'll plan out something like that and in that sense we would we would know what it's going to look like but you don't really know what it's going to look like until you put all, all the things in place but um in the studio right now too i've been making these these really small collages based on um the photos that i take and so those are really um intuitive right i'm i'm cutting i'm pasting i'm looking at different relationships next to each other um trying, trying to make sense, trying to make sense of these images, but, um, I don't know what it's going to look like ahead of time. I don't sit down and go, "Uh, I, I know I need to, I need to put the balloon here next to the, next to the, um, the photograph I took of the road. So the balloon looks like, like next to the asphalt. Like, I don't, I don't think about that. Like I'm, I'm feeling that out, but I am also making these small paintings based on those. Um, and so those have those exact compositions. And I know it kind of I certainly know exactly what the composition is going to be. And I might think ahead of time, like this area is going to be really flat or this area is going to have this color, or I'm going to be, I'm going to be more washy or painterly in, in that space. But so they can be, they can be both and they can be, they can be really planned or they can be um, way more
0: intuitive. That's that's good. It's it's like again, it's it's good. I, as much as this podcast is for listeners, it's really for me. It's really for me to understand <laughs> what creatives do, so I can rip it off. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, in my last question, because you know I'm, I'm acknowledging how the day is gone for both of us. Uh, for for <laughs> for my last question, um, so let's say in this scenario, and I I, I say this frivolously if you had to switch your creative calling to another one, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, okay. So like, but it has to be like a creative calling, right? Like, yes. cause I, okay. Cause I think, I think it is, but it's also both. I think I would, I think I'd be an event planner. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. like I think, like I, um. okay. I, I get like nervous around events. Like I don't actually like the event happening, but I really like to plan it. And I like, like, the like the party stuff, and I like the decor. I feel like I uh, I feel like there's like a like a a weird wedding planner that might be that might be in me, which is weird because like we actually we had a very large wedding people wise, but a very small wedding spectacle wise. But we sure. had it. We had our um we had our reception at the ball. Have you been to the Baltimore Streetcar Museum? Yes. Yeah, it, we we were very really excited because we were like we don't need to decorate because it's just full of like weird trade dioramas so that to yeah. me seemed like the that was perfect um so but so like i didn't like go all out with like the the fluff and the color and the, all yeah. that like i was just like this is perfect but um i i think i would like to do that for other people um and i have i have done i have done prom planning in in my job i have planned hmm. i've planned three proms <laughs> um so or i've so <laughs> planned more than three proms but like I planned several proms, but three, three major but involved. But like, anyway, there's the prom planning. But you're not going to ask me about the superhero. You know what? You want the question.
0: superhero? Yeah, let's get it. Let's go. So, all right. So, if you could be a superhero, what would your superhero's power be?
1: My superhero power. I would have two, Rob. I would have two, and one would be, one would be the ability to shoot rainbows like from <laughs> like if I needed to like from my hand or like laser eye rainbows or yeah. like or like fly through the air with like rainbow behind me I feel like that seems kind of on brand and I, w- I would really like Definitely. that and then my other superpower that I want is I want the power of um what I thought chameleons would do when I was a child <laughs> and how um because I thought that they you would just put them somewhere and I Or like, I thought you they would automatically change to their surroundings or that I thought that they could like change at will to new colors. Like if they wanted to be like, if they wanted to suddenly have dots or a crazy pattern, I thought that chameleons could do that. That's not exactly, they do, they they can change things, but it doesn't, it doesn't work like it did in cartoons as a child. But I, that is a power I would like.
0: I, one, both of those are great powers. Two. I would like a power. I already have a name for my superhero, by the way, the Manifestor. I want an ability to take negative self-talk and deflect it, a la Bishop from X Men, and turn it into positive affirmations. You're not good. Uh, I disagree, but also Wait, what's it called again? Valid. What's
1: it called? You, have, you even have a name? I don't have names for these yet. What is your name? This is the Manifestor.
0: Yeah, the Manifestor. Like negative, uh, negative self-talk comes to me, and I re- dif- re- redirect it to pa- positive manifestation chess. put in the universe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. That's not bad.
0: It may be what I'm doing right now, actually. <laughs>
1: so, um,
0: so, so thank you for coming on to the podcast again, please. Um, shamelessly plug your, your social media, your website, all of that good stuff.
1: Okay. So, um, so Christine Buckton Tillman, all, all one word because that is my maiden name and my last name together because back, Back in the early days of the internet as as i was as I was a newly wed newly minted mFA um all within all within two years of each other, um there was a marathon runner named Christine Tillman, so I included my maiden name, which is also what my grandmother told me to do, like in terms of like what my what like she that was her advice not for the internet, but like that I should do the. Made a name as middle name so Christine Buckton Tillman um, and so at ChristineBucktonTillman.com and then also my Instagram is also Christine Buckton Tillman
0: that's it Um, I'm gonna do my wrap up and again thank you for coming on to the podcast this has been great I'm glad we were able to to get this in today Uh, so I'm Rob Lee for Christine Buckton Tillman saying there's art in and around Baltimore you just gotta look for it